Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome back to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your host, Dana and Shana. Today, we are having on a special guest, Holly Marie. She is a spiritual teacher. She is a 4-6 splenic manifester. And the reason that we want to have her on is to dive in to all things manifester because manifestors are a really important type, as are all of the types. They have a really important role, as do all of the different types, but they're so rare. And um, there's so much that human design can do to help us understand manifestors, to help manifestors understand themselves. And we have a really big spot in our hearts for manifestors because all of the other four human design energy types, their strategy comes pretty naturally to them when they can get past their conditioning. But manifestors are the only type that their strategy of informing feels completely foreign to them. It never feels easy. Even after they've deconditioned, they still kind of feel like this is something that I have to intentionally embrace. This is not something that I do naturally. So human design is just that much more important and helpful for manifestors. And um, we absolutely freaking love the way Holly explains being a manifester. And it's just so important to kind of allow people with that energy type to use their voice to help teach others. So we wanted to have her on today to dive into all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the way that she talks about being a manifester is electric. Like it's so, and so truthful. Um, It's so profound. And the way that she articulates the experience and, you know, parenting and day-to-day life and really how to navigate life as a manifester, um, I really just am blown away at the truth and the resonance and also just how incredibly helpful it is. So we're super excited for this episode and we're just excited to share her wisdom with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say that um, if you if you are a manifester, then obviously this is going to be a super, super helpful episode for you. But I also want to say that even if you're not a manifester, if you have a manifester in your life, if you have a kid that's a manifester or a partner or a friend or a coworker, I think listening to this episode can be super helpful and super illuminating for you to be able to understand that person in your life. And then also, even if you don't have any close people in your life that are manifestors. Manifestors have such an important role in initiating all of the other types that we still think it's super powerful to understand their place in this role because each of us with our different designs have this um, role that we play energetically. We're singing this note, we're playing this piece of the puzzle and understanding how other people are different than you um, is something that helps us bring that harmony and bring that acceptance to the fact that other people operate in such a different way than us. So we want to say that, you know, even if you're not a manifester, this can be a really powerful episode for you to dive deeper and to understand that the way that energetics work for all of humanity. 
All right. So without further ado, let's welcome on our special guest of today, Holly Marie. Welcome on to the show, Holly. How are you? Yeah, I'm so good. I am so excited to be here. So are we. We're so excited to have you on and to share your wisdom and to just get to kind of like hang out with you because we love your energy so much. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Ditto. I reciprocate. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because out of all of the different human design types, I, we really have this kind of like passion spot for manifestors because you guys have such an important role for being such a small amount, a small percentage of the population. So having manifestors really be empowered and understand themselves and also having all of the rest of the energy types also understanding manifestors, knowing how to support the manifestors that are in their life we just think it's something that's really important. And, you know, being a manifester, there's no one better who can tell you than another manifester. So even though us projectors are so passionate about it, we're super excited to have your voice on and to share the way that you see human design from your point of view. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. (laughs) Everything you said, totally agree. Yes. Awesome. So right from the get-go here, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about what it is that you do and share with the world? Yeah, of course. So um, I am Australian. Ooh, tired, broken, (laughs) manifestor voice. It's that's tired manifestor in action right there. Um, So I am Australian based on the other side of the world from a lot of people. Um, I operate under the banner of, of being a spiritual teacher, but Really, you know, I I don't subscribe to many labels. I don't have a defined G-center. I really don't like fitting myself into a box. So an undefined G-center manifester, very fitting. Um, But I'm qualified as a breathwork meditation and EFT practitioner. I'm also a Reiki master, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a certified human design teacher. Largely what people see of me publicly is that I've created a community and a teaching space online for other manifestors. Um, so that's, it's a lot of education, it's a lot of engagement, a lot of exchange, and really just a place for manifestors to belong and to be seen and to begin taking that journey of realising how, how individual and how incredible they are. There's not a lot of that for manifestors. We really struggle with a lot of self-doubt. So I wanted to create that place for manifestors and that's, that's what a lot of people come to me for. Mm, beautiful. I love all of the different things that you do and how you just let yourself flow and, and be called to whatever you're called to without limits. Cause that is so like in alignment for you. Um, and you know, it's just fun for us to meet people in general that are so in alignment. Like once we meet someone that's like that, we're like, I love you. And I'm just going to like study <laughs> you and like breathe in your energy. Cause it's really, it's so powerful to see. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about like how did you discover human design? How did human design come into your life? And in what way did you feel it kind of resonating within you? Yeah, I initially heard about human design about two years ago. I was in a mastermind with the beautiful Eden from Intuition Lifestyle, who teaches human design for business. Um, and she's an emotional MG. So she really just, and a 6'2 as well. So she just kind of dumped human design on everyone. It was <laughs> just this like saturation of human design. Um, and initially, I really felt a resistance to being part of any system that was going to label me further. I'm, I'm always very resistant to being placed into any kind of box. So, you know, everyone else was like, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, three, five manifesting generator and blah, blah. And I was like, I don't care what I am. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to tell me anything about myself. Um, and eventually over time, it just, 
continued to show up. It continued to to seep into my life. I spent a beautiful weekend um, in LA with that particular mastermind. I shared an Airbnb with Eden. And I think that was just like the last breakdown wall for me mm. of, of having that come into my life. Definitely a, a surrender to that universal messaging mm-hmm. of this is a place for you to go and there is enough scope and enough excitement and enough complexity in this system for you to continually be interested. So, I mean, from then on, I was really just all in. I was like, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to dive into this, I'm not going to dive back out. So discovering that I was a manifester, especially when I really began to understand exactly what that was, you know, beyond those platitudes of just, you know, manifestors are leaders and visionaries and the edge of the collective, that can be so hard for us to connect to, so Mm -hmm. difficult for us to understand and see in any practical context. So once I understood beyond that and I understood, you know, the way that my aura works, particularly understanding that I'm a 4-6 manifester, so that really, really explains how I communicate and how I engage with people. Um, Understanding that I'm a splenic manifester was huge, right, really digging into, like, my decision-making. And it was sort of through all of those, like, key beginning points, seeing these parts of oh, that is me, actually that does describe me that I've never found myself in another system. I've never been able to see a clear representation of myself in any personality test or any other, you know, spiritual framework or or personal awareness system. I've always been a bit outside of the box. And this human design was the first system that actually I felt accurately explained me to myself in a way that gave me more depth and more expansion. So, it was, a, it was a pretty clear decision for me to say, if I'm in, I'm going to master this. I'm going to, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get it. Not, not for other people, but for myself. I'm going to master this. And you are such a beautiful living example of a manifester, like truly embodying all of your gifts and really kind of diving off that, that deep end into um, your energy and really owning it. And it's, it's, um, pretty incredible because, you know, manifestors being only 7% ish of the population, um, they, they, a lot of times do feel like outcasts or like nobody's going to understand. So there's no point in even trying to explain it or trying to inform. Um, and, uh, it's interesting because, you know, we've met with hundreds of people and so many of the manifestors that we've met with, they're so different. Like, Every manifester is so radically different than the next. And it's like, how can one system really like, you know, put the nail on the head and like nail a whole group of people that are so freaking different, but still (laughs) the same strategy and authority, well, not authority, but the same strategy and like their aura really does apply to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. That's, that's definitely my experience with dealing with a lot of manifestors is that, we're so vastly different and it, it gives me a lot of joy and a lot of delight to see that. I, I enjoy so much the journey of meeting so many manifestors that are polar opposite to me, that are vastly yeah. different to me and, and that's exciting, that's exhilarating, that feels really peaceful to me. Yeah. So what was it like growing up as a manifester? Like what was your childhood like? Oh, golly, <laughs> what a question. Um, I think <clears throat> like a lot of manifestors, there was definitely a lot of that sacral conditioning um, and a lot of wounding about 
you know, behaving like a manifester and that really being criticised. Um, my father is an emotional manifester. My mother is an emotional MG. I've got emotional generator brothers. So what I experienced um, as a non-emotional being, an unemotional being, I have a completely open emotional centre, that was a big part of my journey was that I was always uh, kind of given this experience of you feel things too deeply, you're too sensitive, you know, you're, you're creating drama, you're being reactive. And that had a big impact on the way that I spoke as a manifester because I felt that, that the way that I needed to use my energy and the way that I needed to use my voice was to keep everything peaceful, to keep everything in harmony and to keep everybody around me happy. Um, so I really spent a great deal of my childhood being quiet and being very calm and, you know, tiptoeing around things to keep everyone happy. My dad was certainly a volatile emotional manifester. Um, he's also a 4-6 manifester. So um, he was very social and very engaged. But when we experienced his anger, I mean, it was anger and it was it was a lot. You know, the very like 1950s generation white male anger was very acceptable. So that that gave me a lot of narratives around how I needed to behave like that as well, that I, you know, I couldn't be angry because that was a really bad thing and that hurt other people and I couldn't express what I wanted because then I was being selfish. And over time, really when I got into my, my teenage years, that's when I started feeling like this is a system that I can't continue to operate in. I got, I actually got really, really sick um, unsurprising for anybody who's, who's out of alignment, but um, <clears throat> I got a rare liver condition, an autoimmune liver condition um, that moved along my hepatic line, so splenic manifesto, not listening to my intuition, not using my voice, and I nearly died um, from that. I actually spent 18 years on chemotherapy um, for that disease and eventually was part of a 2% group where the, the disease disappeared and I'm, I'm in a, a cured classification of patients now. But that that wow. dominated a lot of my life. You know, I, I didn't feel like I could be a manifester at all, really until probably my late 20s. Oh, my gosh. I have full body chills just hearing <sighs> about like that you're cured. It's insane. <laughs> That's insane. Um, and it's interesting, you know, we've, we've talked about this a bit, but manifestors oftentimes find themselves as really people pleasing or really rebellious or kind of like going through phases in their life where for a while they're really people pleasing, then for a while they're rebellious and really like that sweet spot for manifestors right in the, right in the center of like, mm -hmm yes, I love you. And I'm going to do what I want. And I'm informing you of what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. And like, hope you can support it. Love you by doing my thing. So where do you feel? I mean, it sounds like, you know, as a young child, it was very um, people pleasing for you. Mm. But where do you feel? Do you feel like you've been like majority of your life on one side or the other? Do you kind of teeter totter between the two? How do you feel about that? Oh gosh, yeah, I, I definitely went through very prolonged periods of both. I definitely swung the pendulum back the other way, coming out of a, a long time of people pleasing, and very much went into rebellious manifesta. 
um, I had several years of screw the world and screw you and I'm going to do whatever I want. And um, that included even, you know, saying screw you to my doctors who were who were trying to help me and trying to keep me alive. So I made some seriously stupid decisions during that time that were harmful to me and harmful to other people. I definitely cut myself off from listening to my intuition. I felt that there was just a need for me to push everything. I had to aggressively push my way in the world if I was going to get anywhere or if I was going to be recognized by anyone or do anything of significance. And interestingly, that really culminated. It was all through my Saturn return as well. So that, of course, (laughs) that culminated in me purchasing a business. I purchased a business out of bankruptcy and I grew that business. I pushed so, so hard and grew that business into a $1.2 million business in 18 months Um, and then physically collapsed. I just had a a whole, whole mental, physical, emotional breakdown during that time. Um, And that, that really led to my spiritual awakening and my bringing back into the middle of I've experienced this both ways now. You know, I can't keep everybody happy and I also can't push people away in order to do exactly what I want because ultimately I don't get what I want if I do that. I'm so busy fighting that I'm not actually feeling any peace or any happiness. Mm. Mm. That's so beautiful. And I'm curious to know, you know, now that you know that you're a manifester and you're, you know, kind of really embodying it and and leaning in fully, how has informing kind of um, unlocked things in your life or um, helped you honor yourself and your energy even more so that way you're not like working yourself to collapse, but you're really, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to yourself, but also, you know, telling the world around you while you go. How, How has informing really like helped, I guess? I feel like informing is a conscious spiritual habit for me, for everyone. I think we're we're all manifestors. We hate it. We passionately hate informing. And um, there's definitely still a narrative for me every time that I open my mouth to inform the narrative in my head is, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I just don't want to do this. But I I dedicated myself to experimenting with it. And um, I loved the way that you two approach teaching informing as well. It was the first time that I really understood the energetics of informing and what it was for. You know, what I'd learned about informing in the past from other people was just, oh, manifestors need to inform before you go ahead and initiate something. And I struggled. I struggled with that so much because as a manifestor, which I now understand, as a manifester, I very rarely have a plan for what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm doing until it's done and it's initiated. So it's nearly impossible to inform before I do it. Um, and so it would stop me. I wouldn't inform. And I, I felt like what that created was this sort of, um, how do I explain it? I was going to say like an elastic band of pressure, but really what it is is that I used to visually imagine myself pushing a boulder up a hill, right? Like pushing really hard. And this was, this was the thing that I was creating. And this was the thing that I was doing. And because I was pushing so hard, that was what was making it worthwhile. And after months and months and months with dedicating myself to experimenting with informing, with really understanding that this is not just telling people what I'm doing, 
And this is not just trying to get people in line with what I'm doing. This is like opening a little doorway in my closed aura to let people in and to have a glimpse so that they can either say, hey, we're here to support you. What can we do? Or they say, you're threatening, you're unpredictable, I'm getting out of the road. And in doing that, in allowing that practice of informing to be this conscious habit, to do it all the time, to not just tell people what my plan is, if I ever have a plan, it's pretty rare, but (laughs) um, (laughs) telling people what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, what I want, what I don't want, and being as specific as I can with that, you know, sharing an idea when it's not a fully formed idea and, and saying to people around me, saying to my, my team of staff, I have this idea and I don't know if it makes sense and I don't know what we're going to do with it yet and I'm a little bit vulnerable about it and feeling a little bit sensitive about it, so please don't ask me any questions, but I'm, I'm just letting you know, right, <laughs> just informing you so that you can see what's happening here. And what I discovered was that that experience, that energetic experience and that vision that I constantly had of pushing this boulder uphill disappeared it went away. And creating things, initiating things became easy. There was this, mm. this effortlessness to it, this flow to it. And, and that, golly, that bewildered me for so long. Like, is this really, is this really how it can be? Can it really, really be this easy? <laughs> yes, it can. And I, I feel like that's the kickback for manifestors, right? That it's difficult for us to inform, it's uncomfortable for us to inform and we have to consciously do it. But when we do it, it clears the pathway. It gets things out of the road in front of us. So the, that that journey of initiating is fun and it's beautiful. Mm. Oh, I love how you explain that because that's really it. Like that feeling of like, can it be this easy? I feel <laughs> like... I have said that and felt that so many times with living my own strategy and authority and feeling like, oh, I can just wait for the invitation and focus on the things that I love. Like, (laughs) really? Is that true? And it's like, yes, it is. It's been proven so many times to myself that it's like, holy shit, okay, there's no other way. And that's (laughs) kind of like the same thing. It's like, oh my God, why would I choose to push a boulder up a hill? Like, now that I realize that I don't have to at all. And it's just by informing. So it's like, we say this all the time to, you know, manifestors, like the answer to everything for you is always going to be informed. What you're thinking, what you're feeling, the more vulnerable, the better. Every thought that pops into your head, the better. Like if you can dedicate a certain amount of time, like, you know, two weeks, I'm going to literally say everything that pops in my head. Um, I mean, that, would be radically like intense, but also it would make some major shifts for you. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like, you have to prove it to yourself. Human design is an experiment and you have to do it and experiment with it and see how it changes. Um, I love, love, love that story. And I want to say that I'm super grateful for you leading manifestors in your space and that that's what you were called to do because manifestors more than any other type, it's like, you're not going to talk them into trying something like they really have to like want to do it. They have to be called to do it. And so 
as much as we're passionate about manifestors, like oftentimes when there's a new manifestor, like I don't even say a word to them about human design because I just know (laughs) this has to be their idea. Like that is how their energy works, you know? So I just think it's really, really powerful for every manifestor here listening and everyone who knows a manifestor has a manifestor child listening to you. I think it's really... um, it's like one of the biggest, most powerful things that we can do to shift the planet is have that group of people specifically start to really feel confident and to realize like, oh, I'm here to just put myself out there with vulnerability and, you know, with not having attachment to what comes from it. And you're so, you're you're so independent as a manifester. Your energy really works in that way of like, I want to figure this out by myself before I put it out in the world. So saying something and putting it out into the world energetically before you figured it out, before you even know what you're doing, that obviously feels so uncomfortable. Like it feels like Mm -hmm. at first that can't be right. But of course, That is when all of life, including the people in it, come and are rallied by your energy to make that thing happen for you. So it's just like such a better use of your energy since you are someone who doesn't have that consistent energy the way a generator would or a manifesting generator would. And you've been so conditioned to believe that you should, but you realize in life, like I am pushing this boulder uphill. Why does it feel this hard? Um, So before we jump into anything else, I kind of wanted to ask you how you feel about manifesting generators and manifestors. And what is the the things that manifesting generators can learn from manifestors? And what are the things that you feel like don't really apply because their energy works so differently? Oh, damn, that is such a good question. <laughs> I think manifestors experience um, a lot of difficulty in relationships with MGs. It's pretty universal for us across the board. And um, we adore them. And I've worked really hard to, to be in alignment with a lot of manifesting generators in my life. Very deliberately, I I have a staff member who is a manifesting generator and really shaping a role to her energy and being really appreciative of that generator energy that she brings in has been significant in my journey to healing that. But um, what a lot of manifestors experience from MGs is this sort of oppressive feeling of you know, MGs have that ability to initiate, you know, the manifesting generators are extraordinary. They they can get the creative urge and get the idea and initiate it, but they can also complete it. They can take it all on independently and, and get those shortcuts and jump over things and master things very, very fast, completely on their own. And I think that unconsciously, or perhaps consciously, I don't know, I'm not an MG, but I think what a lot of MGs do is that they see manifestors and they see that similarity in our energy, right? They see that same manifestor strain and they expect us to behave like them. They expect us to be fiercely independent and take all the shortcuts and master things really quickly and be able to complete everything. And they get frustrated with us when we don't keep up, when we don't do what they believe that we should be able to do. Um, and, and manifestors, although we're very, I think on the outside, we look very like bold and passionate and idea driven. We're exquisitely sensitive. I mean, <laughs> behind this closed aura, we're really vulnerable and we really struggle with criticism and self doubt and trusting anything that we create. So, Often we have difficulties in relationships with MGs who lovingly are, are wanting us to be something that we're not. Um, so I, that would be my advice for any MG. If you're surrounded by a manifester, start understanding how they're different from you, not how they're the same as you. 
You know, not yeah. not having that sacral energy makes us very different. We do get very, very tired. Initiating and, and birthing an idea from 5D into 3D is exhausting. We need so much rest. Um, and we also need a lot of just love and encouragement, not to say you could have done this better or you could have done this faster or you could have put more into it, but to say, hey, I understand that that was really vulnerable for you to do that. Mm. And that was really scary for you to do that. Um, Additionally, because informing is so important for us, but not as important for MGs, you know, MGs are responding Mm -hmm. as well. I think that we, we experience, particularly with the reflectors and the projectors, we love projectors. Projectors are amazing. I adore having projectors in my life because you, you see us, you want to see us, you want to understand us, and that's so fulfilling for us. Mm. But when we, when we inform projectors and reflectors, they, they understand that we're informing. They understand that, like, we're working really hard to do this and it's not comfortable and we don't want to, but we're doing this as an act of love. This is a gift. This is a service that we're doing for everyone around us. So that's a very natural exchange. But when it comes to informing our sacral beings, you know, those the gorgeous generators and the gorgeous manifesting generators, sometimes our informing can get really overlooked and really swept under the carpet. And I, I again, I think it's very, um, it's very unconscious. It comes from a, a beautiful intention. They want to respond. They want to engage with us. They get very kind of lit up and very inspired and say, oh, that's great what you're telling me and I want to be part of it. But sometimes that can very easily cross over into, but do it this way and, and you know, come with me and, and we'll do it together and, and it needs to be better and you could do more. And, and the manifesto sort of like we shrink back <laughs> behind that brick wall again, behind that closed aura because we're, we're just informing you because we want to let you know, not because we want to do it your way. So... I, I think there's a lot of healing to happen in relationships mm. between Mannies and Manny-gens, Um and could be extraordinary. In my personal experience of working hard at that in my personal life, it's developed the most amazing relationships with MGs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm incredibly inspired by them and find them very expansive and they report that they feel the same from me. So there's a harmony to be reached. I think we really just need to understand how we're different, not how we're the same. Yeah, beautiful. It's so it's so interesting, everything you say, to hear it from your perspective, right? Because my energy and Shana's energy and your energy are so different. So it's really fun for us to hear your experience. And it, it feels so true and profound. And, you know, I personally think manifesting generators and manifestors shouldn't even compare themselves at all. So a manifesting generator shouldn't be saying, how am I like a manifester? Like, I don't actually think that's helpful because I think you actually are more different than you are alike Mm -hmm. because your aura, because of the way your aura works. So as a manifester, having that closed aura, you're the only one that's like that. And, you know, as a manifesting generator, you don't have that same aura. So yes, it is really helpful for manifesting generators to inform and to let people know where they're going because they move so quickly. It just makes things easier. That's true. And manifesting generators can experience anger in their not self-theme along with frustration. That's true. So finding healthy ways to express your anger, finding ways to accept your anger and understand your anger, that applies to a manifesting generator, but that's about it. So I, yeah. I'm, I like <laughs> hearing kind of your, your experience with that. Um, and, you know, while we're on that topic of the not self theme for manifestors of anger, 
Um, I'm just wondering if you could share any of your wisdom or insight, like what does it feel like to feel that not self theme pop up and how do you hold space for yourself or navigate that? Yeah, it feels like white hot rage. (laughs) It's Mm. like a toddler throwing a tantrum. My family would attest to that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that that for manifestors, because our our signature theme of peace and our not-self theme of anger are so polarised that Mm -hmm. we really often have this this kind of life experience of feeling like I'm Jekyll and Hyde. Like I, Mm -hmm. I can have a split personality. I am lovely and delightful and zen and excited about all the possibilities or I am furious and resentful at everything in myself and everything in the world around me and I would happily take a match and burn it all down. So we struggle with that. I think that that duality even within ourselves to know that I I am both of these parts, that these are both parts of me. But additionally... There's a, there's a level for female manifestors in particular, and I find it interesting that even all of those years ago, Ra actually referenced this in his lectures, that it's a much more difficult experience for female manifestors to express that anger and have that be acceptable than it is for males. And that's really just that patriarchal conditioning, right, that, that social structure that we live in where females are meant to be demure and quiet and submissive and uh, if you've ever seen a manifester in the not self theme of anger, there is nothing quiet and submissive about it. <laughs> like it is explosive. It's angry. So females in particular really, really do struggle with feeling like we have permission to express that anger. And and what I see a lot and what I experienced a lot was that um, I would swallow it down, and that would become this deep underlying resentment instead of this this outward like volcano explosion of anger which is gone in a couple of minutes which you can do safely right you don't have to be angry at other people and and spewing that on other people you can just do that in your own space um, but swallowing it down really does create this kind of deep fracture of resentment within yourself as a manifester which is very very hard to heal because when when we turn our own anger on ourselves it it breaks us it cripples us further with that that paralysis of self-doubt, again, of criticism, of judgment, of it really triggers conditioning in whatever centre you've got open or undefined. Um, I, I personally believe there's a really healthy space for the not-self theme, for Manny's in particular. I can't speak to any of the other types because obviously I'm not one, but I, I know that we can tend to apply a very good-bad binary to the signature theme and to the not-self theme that, it's always really good to be in the signature theme and it's very bad to be in the not-self theme. But as a manifester experiencing that that polarisation of feelings, what I've come to understand is that my anger, as much as my peace is as well, is just a messaging system. That's it. It's, It's just like a warning light, a check engine light in my body saying, hey, we're sitting in this this emotion and this energetic experience right now because something's out of alignment, right? We, we veered off course somewhere. Maybe that was something external that did it to you. Maybe it's something internal that did it, but check the engine, come back in, understand what's going on. So I, I encourage Manny's to like fall in love with their anger. I think anger is, for me personally, anger is this great experience of, oh, something's gone awry here. 
because I'm feeling really angry, whether that's, um, you know, like this kind of deep-seated anger of I'm generally fine, but then I'm really, really ragey at the person that cut me off on the road or I get really <laughs> angry that my kids put a pillow on the wrong wrong place on the lounge, right? <laughs> or it can be like just very, very clear overt anger. If somebody says something or does something to me and I, I will lash out and, and fight back. Um, and I'm generally a very sweet, loving, laid-back person. So <laughs> it's interesting to see. Yeah. yeah, I love that metaphor of like your not-self theme is just a check engine light. And that's a huge takeaway for everyone listening, no matter what your type is. Um, your not-self theme is natural. It's a part of you. And the most important thing is to notice it and accept it and to say thank you for that signpost. Um, so anyone who's listening, you know, judging yourself when you're in your not-self theme it's really not helpful. The most important thing is having that awareness. And like you said, saying, okay, this is my signpost. This is my check engine light. Let me go check my engine. What do I need to do here to tune this up and and get back running in the way that energetically I'm meant to run. So I think that that's really beautiful. And um, another big question that I have for you is for everyone listening that might have a manifestor child, or a child that they're around as a manifester, what is the most important thing that they can really focus on to nurture that manifestor child in the way that they need to be nurtured? Yes, I have a manifestor child. So I love this question. I have three kids. I've got an emotional projector, a sacral generator, and an emotional manifestor. Um, wow. Yeah, a manifestor parent, parenting a manifestor child is I mean, I came to give myself a lesson in something <laughs> this lifetime <laughs> because he is extraordinary and beautiful and challenging. His energy is so challenging. And I did notice in my parenting in the earlier years because he's my youngest child. So I'd already been parenting for five years before he came along. And my other kids were so much more pliable. I mean, having a, an emotional projector as my first child was like piece of cake. You know, he he would go where I wanted him to go and just happily happily went along with anything that I said. Um, and by the time I got to my manifesto child, I really thought that I had parenting nailed. I really thought that I'd like got this system down pat that I'd mastered. I was like, what are other people complaining about? Parenting is great and parenting is easy. And then I had a manifesto kid and I realized that he will not do what I tell him to do ever. He's seven now. And in seven years, he's never once done what I tell him to do. (laughs) (laughs) Not for any of us. Um, His energy, his aura is enormous. It is enormous. When he was a baby, he was so magnetic to people around him that, you know, we would walk through the mall or or go out to the park and people would magnetize to him and come over and speak to him and play with him almost as though my other two children didn't exist at all. And and he was the center of the world. And I remember saying to, to my mother, this is unusual. Like this is not normal that people are attracted to him this way. And, and she would say, oh, she's an MG. She'd be like, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Don't pay attention to that. Um, <laughs> but that's very much been the case. He, he continues to be that way. His aura is so big and so expansive. He has so much life that it does repel people 
or magnetize people. It's so, so obvious to see. Um, I have found that I've needed to completely adjust my parenting, like completely. Everything, everything is gone. Everything that I thought I knew about parenting is completely discarded. I had to throw it all away in the trash. And what I focus on is giving him as much freedom as possible. Like how much freedom can I give him and how much space can I give him to be himself and to do the things that he wants to do in a way that is not harmful to other people and that is respectful of the world around him. Because even as manifestors, even being allowed to do what we want, we still need to learn manners. We still need to learn to be polite and to operate in, in the social collective and to not be harmful to other people. So that's my journey with him right now. As a family, we actually put a great deal of effort in as a whole family to really like allow him to do these things, to support him. Um, and as he gets older, I see more and more that really supporting him in that sensitivity is becoming increasingly more important. I'm seeing more and more that he criticizes himself when he gets something wrong or when he upsets other people because even though he's kind of crazy and kind of intense, he wants everyone around him to be happy. Yeah, he just he just wants to keep the world happy. He wants to do what he wants to do, but he doesn't want to upset people to do that. So he he does get critical of himself and judgmental of himself, even as a seven-year-old. So nurturing him with that, giving him space to feel his feelings, really understanding his inner authority and that it's different to mine. I mean, the difference between an emotional manifester, an ego manifester and a splenic manifester is huge. It is so big. So if you have a manifester child, please look into their inner authority because it's so vastly different. Um, we've been doing fun things with him lately, really helping him to express his emotions in, in a very like manifest way. So he has a little teepee inside our lounge room, like a tent, and we call it his emotions tent, where he can just go and feel his emotions without any <sighs> criticism, without anybody being in his space. He just gets to feel them. Um, and we also have bought him... A, a boxing bag and boxing gloves so that when he has anger, because as an emotional man, his anger is like it'll fill a, a whole house and then overflow. Like it's it's big anger. <laughs> He's seven, so he doesn't have emotional intelligence yet. So he goes and punches the boxing bag to express that out in a way that doesn't hurt other people. So I, I think like all of these like little daily things of, of being a parent to a manifester are kind of what creates the sum total of this, this life experience for them. I, I don't want my manifesto child to have the same childhood experience that I had and that a lot of other manifestors had. You know, I want him to be understood. I want him to have freedom, but I also want him to be a good human. Mm. Mm. Wow. So much of what you said is just like, holy shit. And also... <laughs> profound like that is the goal that you know as a manifester is to have freedom um but also be a good person <laughs> and also you know um be able to be understood and express yourself and inform so do you find that he struggles with informing as well or is it something that you're kind of like coaxing out of him 
Oh, yeah, he struggles with it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It doesn't come naturally to him at all. Um, it's so interesting to watch between the different types because my my projector child, teaching him about waiting for the invitation, he naturally adapts to it and, and holds it and he feels really aligned with it. Um, my daughter is a sacral generator, getting to her to have that sacral response and not think through her decisions but feel through her decisions is amazing. She catches on to that incredibly quickly. Um my my manifesto though he's like I don't want to tell you in fact one of his favorite lines is when we ask him what are you doing he says you don't need to know <laughs> you don't need to know <laughs> he, just, he just doesn't want to he just doesn't want to tell people so I've been playing with him with doing trying to get some of that like delight from that experience in informing like this is actually what it brings you this is actually what you can experience when you inform so we're doing that with little stuff like when we drive to school he wants to be really independent he's just finished grade one so he's real little you know and um he wants to walk into school on his own he doesn't want me around he wants to be completely independent like don't kiss me, don't hug me, don't hold my hands. I don't want people to see me near you. I'm, you know, a fully grown 35-year-old male in a seven-year-old's body. So to do that, <laughs> to do that, we have to get a, a safe car park out the front of the school because he can't he can't walk across the road on his own, right? He's, he's still a kid. He can't, he can't walk through traffic. So I say to him as we're driving down to school, hey honey, speak out loud and inform the universe and say, hey, I want a car park at the front of the school so that I can walk in on my own because that's what I want. And every time, every single time he does it, a car park comes up the front. And any parent knows that getting a car park at the front of the school gate is like miraculous. It's like gold to do that. So <laughs> to see his, his eyes light up and to have that experience of like, I just manifested what I want. I just kind of created this reality because I said it out loud. That's that's the experience of informing that I want him to have. So I'm manufacturing as many of those experiences regularly as I can so that he doesn't feel like he needs to cringe away from informing. My wow, God. I love that. <laughs> Me too. I'm like blown away and just like I freaking love you like I love you you're just such a badass fierce like mama wisdom freaking <laughs> manifester goddess like I love everything about you um so what would you recommend? It's just so funny because we've met with you so many times now. And like, I just, every time that we meet with you, I'm like, my God, like Holly. Yes. <laughs> Thank um, you. I received that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask, you know, okay, if, if people have friends or a partner um, that is a manifester, what would you recommend with like, I guess, tips in, yeah. in, as far as that goes? Like yeah, supporting them. absolutely. I speak to a lot of people who have manifesto partners or manifesto family members or manifesto friends that say, hey, I really love them and I really want to support them, but I just have absolutely no idea how to do that. Because, And that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I think, you know, outside that closed aura, it must be so difficult to understand us. I really take my hat off to all of these people that are working so hard to get us and <laughs> to love us. Um, my two biggest tips for that would be give them as much respectful freedom as you possibly can, right? Like let that manifesto that you love do their own thing 
right? Take, take their own direction, make their own rules. When they want space, give them space. Don't question them or ask them to explain anything ever. Please, for the love of God, don't interrupt them when they're doing something. Don't tell them what to do, right? It's, it's like, treat, this is going to sound awful, but treat a manifesto like they're some sort of deity, you know, like some sort of member of the royal family. Like manifestors, we want to be treated as though we are we are regal in our own energy. We know what we're doing. We just need to have permission to do that. We just need to have freedom to go about things the way that we want to go about them, not because we want to be dominating, not because we want other people to do things the way that we do them. Quite frankly, I couldn't give a damn if you do things the way that I do them. More power to you for doing them differently. I want to do it my way because I've put so much work into trusting my creative urge, into moving past that self-doubt, into actually informing and getting it out there and initiating the thing. And that process is so emotional and can be so turbulent sometimes that, you know, often manifestors are just kind of hanging on for dear life with their own journey of saying, please don't criticize me. Please don't ask me to explain myself. Please don't interrupt me. Just love me and support me and give me space and freedom. And then I know, I know I trust in my gut that I can create something beautiful here if you would just let me do it. Um, Secondly, I find it so, so helpful for people around me to inform me. Not because I necessarily want to know what they're doing. You know, everybody else does not have a closed aura. So I can, I can see them and sense them and understand them. But sometimes seeing informing happening, coming inwards at me is so freeing because it's, it's a, an invitation. Projectors do this so effortlessly. I love how projectors do it because you're so, you know, seeking to be loving to other people and understanding of other people. So I asked my projector husband to inform me when I was first starting out with informing. I asked my staff to inform me. I have asked a lot of friends and people around me like, please, please just tell me what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Um, I encourage people to use the words, I'm informing you of this because it makes it feel more natural. It makes it feel more normal. And when we're already so uncomfortable about having to do that, just seeing other people doing it is like, oh, in this one moment with this one thing, I am not different to everyone else. Just in this one split second here, I'm the same as this person next to me. So that is such a gift of love that you can give to a Manny. I love that. That's so good. And, you know, it's interesting with human design. We always, always, always encourage people to start with yourself understand your energy, understand your strategy, start using it, start implementing it into your actual life, and then start understanding what other people are Mm -hmm. in your life and start holding space for them. So I think as the collective is um, becoming aware of human design, I think that this is happening every single day, like thousands of people are becoming aware of human design. Um, And it's starting with who am I and how can I understand myself? But where I see the future going is we, we know everyone in our life's design and we know how we can support them. And we're conscious when we're working in a group, what can I do to support this person and what can they do to support me? So it's not just knowing ourselves, it's holding space for each other. So like, mm-hmm. I just, I can like feel the future already. Like everyone's <laughs> saying like, I know you're a projector, so I'm inviting you. I know yeah. you're a manifester, so I'm informing you. And it's just so beautiful. And, you know, I think what another thing that you talked about 
previously with um, people supporting the manifestors in their life by really giving them that respect Mm -hmm. and feeling them as this powerful, um, sovereign energy, that royalty energy like you were talking about. I think that sometimes people have a problem with that. It feels difficult for them to give that respect. And that's always Mm -hmm. a really good signpost that you have inner work to do. Um, If that is like intimidating to you or offensive to you and you feel like, well, it's not fair that they deserve respect, then I really encourage you to look within. Like, what are your hangups, the places where you're not respecting yourself? Because once you fully respect yourself, know who you are, appreciate who you are, um, you should want to obviously respect other people and hold space for them, not needing your advice, not needing your support. So that kind of goes for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I feel like manifestors are just our way showers, our teachers of that specific lesson and how we can like apply it to the rest of our life. And even with parenting, you know, being the parent of a manifester, like all the things that you shared about, it's just so beautiful and so inspiring. And, you know, manifester kids are for sure like these powerful spiritual teachers that are here to show us once a child is born into this world, they are their own individual being. They are not an extension of their parent. They're not something that their parent can necessarily control, even though their parent is here to keep them safe and to support them and to teach them things, um, support them physically with, you know, shelter and food and all of that stuff. It's not like you get to control your child, you know, and I think a lot of people come across challenges when they feel their child as an extension of themselves and they feel like they need to control them. And that's for any child, right? No matter what their design are. Manifestor children are just the one that is like in your face showing us, (laughs) hey, I am my own individual and, you know, support me, but don't try to control me. And what's the difference? Like that difference between supporting someone and trying to control them is a powerful, powerful difference and a powerful shift. So I think it's just really cool how each of the different types, we all have so much to learn from each other. Mm. So for anyone listening to this, that is not a manifester, that doesn't have a manifester in their life, that doesn't have a manifester kid, but you're still listening. There's so many powerful lessons that we can learn from understanding each other and from kind of getting that medicine, like that medicine that we get from knowing manifestors, from being around them. Um, So I just think it's really, it's cool and beautiful. And I wanted to ask you for your, uh, I guess the way that you feel you can describe the manifestor aura. So in traditional human design language, we describe this manifestor aura as repelling and closed. But what does it really mean, like energetically to you? What does that aura feel like? How do you describe it to people? Yeah, our our experience from behind our closed aura, I think, is so incredibly different to the experience mm-hmm. of other people on the outside of that aura, and. Mm-hmm. This is why there's there's a lot of amazing teaching within traditional human design, but when it's coming from people who are not manifestors, it, it kind of like it doesn't gel with us that we go, yeah, really? Is that what it looks like? Because that is not what it feels like to me at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I do I do think that that's pretty unique for us as manifestors. We there is a lot to our experience of our aura that is it's definitely closed. I mean, it's like. I refer to our aura as the brick wall. Like it is like the Great Wall of China behind here. We just hang out between, um, like behind (laughs) is like solid, it's a solid framework. And behind this aura, it's really, it's big and it's quiet and it's beautiful. 
and we love it. <laughs> we love it behind our closed aura because behind here, we can do whatever we want and there's no one telling us what to do and there's no one interrupting us. We never need to be certain about anything. We never need to explain anything. We never need to have a plan. And a lot of manifestors say like, you know, my dream is if I could just live on my own, like in a house in the woods with enough money and enough carbohydrates to last me for the rest of my life, I would be (laughs) such a happy manifestor. That's like for all of us, that is the experience. Whenever I post stuff about that, people are like, "Mm mm-hmm, yes, manifest a dream right there. So we, we really do enjoy the peace and quiet behind this closed aura. It's it's a challenge for a manifester to understand that outside of this brick wall, other people are experiencing our energy differently. It's really, really disconcerting to us that, you know, we're just trying to be great people and trying to be really nice and, and trying to fit in, even though we feel different and trying to trust ourselves and create beautiful things that are hopefully great for everyone around us, but we never really know whether they will be. Um, And to experience that sometimes that repels people, which is very real, it's very real that we do repel people, that is so upsetting for us. It's so upsetting for us to experience. And a lot of manifestors do kind of get caught in these toxic dynamics of, chasing that person that they've repelled to say no 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 let me let me twist myself into a pretzel let me be submissive let me shake myself up and down and and twist myself around to be what you want me to be so that you're not repelled by me so that you don't you don't hate me you don't dislike me because I'm trying to be so good and I'm trying to be so nice and I'm trying to keep everybody happy um on the flip side of that It's equally surprising to us when we magnetize people, again, because we're not experiencing what it's like to be on the other side of that closed aura. So when people are magnetized to us, when they're inspired by us, when we share an idea and people say, that's amazing, that's so supportive, even stuff like in my work with you guys and in this podcast today, you know, you saying like, oh my God, we love you and we're so inspired by you. The Manny Holly behind this closed aura is like, really? Really? I don't get it. Why? What did I do? What did I say that was so lovable and that was so interesting? Because I'm I'm just I'm just experiencing my energy here behind the brick wall. And and you know, you're asking me to engage with you, so I'm trying to, you know, engage with you as authentically as I can. Um and I, I think that that's very universal for a lot of manis. Um I've also heard the manifesto aura be referred to recently as protective, which I think is so accurate, right? For for us experiencing it behind this wall, it does feel protective. It does feel like, well, this is safe for me as long as I stay in my own energy and I don't interact with other people. It's safe, you know, because then then I'm not risking other people telling me what to do. I'm not risking getting angry at other people. I'm not risking getting interrupted or criticized or veered off the path that I know that I want to be on. Um, We really don't want to be repellent to other people. We really don't want to step on toes, right? It's, 
it's hard enough. It's <laughs> just like following our own inner voice. Like, I think that's very hard for people to imagine that like we just have this existence of listening to this sort of bizarre, illogical, uncertain inner voice to create this thing that's never been seen before. And then we just go ahead and do that. And somehow it all works out. Like somehow we get money to live and we get to create amazing things and we get to function in the world. Like it, it really does not make logical sense to live that way. So it's as much a mystery to us as it is to other people. And, and we're trying really hard just to understand ourselves so that we can help other people understand us too. Mm-hmm. Mm. I am just like drinking it up. <laughs> um, and I literally want like every manifester in the world to listen to this podcast because it's just um, it's so different, obviously, as a projector, hearing about your experience as a manifester, because yes, we can see you so clearly, but we're seeing, you know, um, your truth. We're seeing you right now in this moment. We're not seeing you when you, you know, go home or when, you know, you're just by yourself at night and, and what it really feels like to be in your body and in that protective, I love that, that word and the way you described mm-hmm. it, that protective aura. Um, it's fascinating. And, and I'm curious if you could kind of, um, get into a little bit what it feels like to have an urge from this place of your protective aura. Like what, you know, we talk about urges all the time and it's like, okay, well, what does an urge really feel like? Yeah, so good. I think we get very confused between urges and ideas, especially um, if you're a manifesto with an undefined head. You know, I, I have an undefined head. I've got a lot of ideas. I get inspired by a lot of things. And we can very much take on the narrative that um, in order to be capable and in order to be valuable, we need to take all of those ideas and make something happen from every single one of them. And we're not able to. We we can't. We don't have the capacity to do that, and all of those ideas are not ours to take on. So it it took a long journey for me to really understand the nuance between the two of those things. That an idea is different to a creative urge, and the way that I try to explain it to the manifestors in my community is that the urge is that physical, visceral sense. It's that pressure. It's that internal push that perhaps is connected to an idea. Perhaps it is. Perhaps you can see it. You can see the vision of that, sense the idea, but perhaps it's not. Perhaps it's just this urge and this sense of, I want to do this thing. I have to do this thing. It characteristically is accompanied by uncertainty If you feel uncertain about it, if you are questioning it and doubting it, it's probably a creative urge. (laughs) And additionally, if you feel like it's crazy, like it's illogical, it doesn't make any sense. You don't know why you want this. You haven't seen it anywhere before, but you just know like, I want this and I can't shake it. That, that is the creative urge. And Often what trips us up, I think, in in the human design teachings around this is that, you know, rightly so, manifestors get taught like you you create on behalf of the collective. You're here to initiate things for everybody around you, but from behind our aura, that's not how we feel it. We don't get this creative urge with this sense of 
I, I want to initiate this thing and I want to do this thing because I can see how it's beneficial to everyone else. We feel it as a personal urge. It comes to us almost selfishly with this sense of, I just want to do this because I want to do this and I genuinely can't understand how this is going to benefit people around me. I don't, I don't know. So when we, when we add into that, that particularly like that patriarchal conditioning for female manifestors that says, no, you, you're selfish if you do what you want. You can't do it just because you want it, right? Like it has to be for everybody. You have to bend yourself backwards to make this of benefit to everyone. A lot of female manifestors really doubt that creative urge and disconnect from that voice. So I ran a, I had a masterclass yesterday with my manifesto community and it was so beautiful. One of the manifestors was, was in there in the Q and A section saying, okay, I know this sounds really, really crazy. Tip number one, that's probably your creative urge. If you're saying like, this sounds really, really crazy. <laughs> she was like, I don't understand it. But for the last six months, I felt like I just want to shave my head. I don't know why. I just, I just feel like I want to shave my head and I don't know what purpose it's for. And I don't know why it keeps coming to me. And is, is that crazy? Is that stupid? And I was like, honey, that's just your creative urge. Do it. Shave your head. Trust it. Who knows what ripple effect that has? Who knows how that's of benefit to the collective? Maybe that's going to be inspirational to people who have issues with self-image around their hair. Maybe this is going to make some sort of like political or social justice, you know, statement or commentary. You don't know until you've done it and then you actually get to see the impact from it. So that was such a beautiful example of a creative urge (laughs) of like, it's individual and it can be small or it can be large. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Beautiful. So cool. And I loved what you said earlier about as a manifester, bringing these ideas from 5d into 3d, because I think of manifestors a lot as their urges are kind of like these divine sparks that come into their body to to then come out on, into the 3D realm. Yeah. And so, of course, all different types can channel in their own different ways. There's so many different ways that people can channel. But I really do think of manifestors as these spark receivers from, from the 5D. And then their job is to put it out in the universe with their voice, even if it's not something that they're here to do. But if it is something that they're here to do, like really listening, trusting, honoring, and you know, that protective aura is there to not to help you not get as distracted as everyone else about what's happening in the rest of the world. So, so much of that process is internal for a manifester, like that listening, that honoring, that sacred, like feeling of knowing that you are someone who's here to receive those callings from within. And so it's interesting because I think a lot of manifestors, when they hear you're a manifester, so you're here to inspire people and transform people's lives and be a catalyst and impact others. You're like, really? Because so much of your experience is about yourself and the things that you feel called to do from within. And you might not really realize the way that those things that you're called to do then echo out and are magnified by your badass aura and end up changing other people and really um, catalyzing their energy in these ways that you might not even ever see. And they might not ever say thank you. And you might not even know how many people's lives you changed. So, but for everyone listening that has a manifester in your life, I encourage you to think back about that person and to think about all of the shit that's happened in your life and grown since you met them. And every time that you're with them, now you leave them and like, 
all of these things start happening and ideas start coming. And I have only a handful of manifestors in my life. My, my dad was actually an emotional manifester, but we have a couple of friends that are manifestors. And like every time that I've shared ceremony with them or, or even just had lunch with them, it's like this subtle thing where you might not kind of realize, but then you look back and it's like, all of these things happened because of one thing that person said, or because of one invitation that they gave me, and then it echoed out and made this ripple effect. So I just think it's really important for manifestors to kind of hear that it's normal for them to not necessarily resonate with the fact that they're here to be this transformational, inspirational person. Your signature theme is peace. So what it feels like on the inside when you're in that, you know, in that flow, in that alignment is like, I'm just me. I'm just doing my thing. I'm just here. And you're not really seeing the way that you impact other people necessarily. And so, you know, we're here to be the ones to kind of like translate that because we're also seeing you from the outside in a way that you as a manifester are not seeing yourself. And it's so special for us to hear what it's like for you on the inside. So I really want to say like, thank you for sharing it. And you're so articulate it. You explain it so well. I almost feel like when you were talking about being inside of that protective wall and like your piece in there, I was like, oh, I could almost feel what you're feeling. So it's really beautiful. Um, you. And you know, I also wanted to ask you such a huge theme, you know, with that being said for manifestors is finding that true confidence, that Mm. real authentic, like I believe in myself and I am listening to the, to within those things that come from within and those things are valid. And even though they don't make sense, even though it doesn't have a rational reason, how do, how do manifestors find, go about cultivating that, that confidence, that self-love, that inner validation, or or what's your kind of advice to go on that journey? I think if it it was to boil down to one thing in essence, it's that at some point as a manifester, you are going to have to sacrifice holding on to doubt and, and take trust on board, right? You're just going to have to let go of the fact that you feel uncertain, let go of the fact that you have a lot of doubts, let go of the fact that this doesn't make sense, that the way that you live, the things that you want to create don't make sense and just trust it. Trust that the universal energy that even when we open up that aura and we inform the universe that she is there as a co-collaborator, that she is aligning all of these things that we can't align for ourselves, that there are people around us who are inspired by us, that are magnetized to us, that do want to come in and support us. And again, that's not for us to control. We can't do anything about that. We just have to trust that if, if we're honoring ourselves, that this is all going to come into place. It's all going to happen. A lot of manifestors, and certainly in my experience too, like we get so vigilant about holding on to doubt, so vigilant. I mean, my conscious son is the gate of doubt. So I'm like very, very familiar <laughs> with the concept of doubt and navigating through that. But we hold on to it like it's a, a life raft. Like if I can just understand why I'm uncertain and understand why I constantly doubt all of these things, then everything will come together. And the reality is that you need to let go of the life raft and and trust that the ocean is taking you in exactly the right direction and that it's good for everyone as well as being good for you. Um, I think to nuance that further, there's a lot about our individual design that has an impact 
on that, really navigating through that sense of self-love, of confidence. Um, I have a defined ego, so so value and worth has never been a problem for me. I've certainly got shadows around it, but I've, I've not taken on conditioning around it. But I'm an undefined G-center, so I struggle with, you know, feeling like I need to fit an identity. Not so much anymore. I, you know, I worked a lot, a lot through all of that, but feeling like, well, if I have a specific identity or if I have a label, then other people will love me and I'll love myself more. But there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to do with the way that your energy centers work, to do with the gates that you have, the shadows on those gates, the the channels that you operate within. Even your profile, I think, in, impacts that as well because we're, we're interacting with other people, especially on that unconscious profile. So really giving yourself permission to stop trying to please everything and everyone around you and keep all of it in harmony, let that go, trust it, right? Surrender and release all of that and give yourself permission to actually come inwards and look at the specifics of who you are. How can you find love for yourself in the way that you created your blueprint. One of the things that I adore the most about human design is that it comes from that foundational basis of the soul chose the design before you incarnated, right? Like I say this to myself frequently whenever I'm doubting myself and I say this to manifestors a lot. We chose this. You chose this. I wanted to be a manifester. I wanted to have this experience. I wanted to have this ability. So I could spend my entire lifetime continuing to criticize myself and to look at all of the things that I'm not and and believe that I need to be more in those areas. Or I can take that same energy and put it into understanding who I am and what I do have, and why did I give myself that? Right angle cross of consciousness, speaking through right here, like why? Why did I do this? Why did I come here? What does this mean for life? And what does this mean for everybody around me and for my own journey? Because that is where the magic is at, I believe. That's that's where this kind of like juiciness and the essence of life is at. Who are you and what did you come here for? And the only way to understand that is to look at yourself with self-acceptance, to look at yourself with self-love and release release all of the rest. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Aho, <laughs> like that is truth. It's honestly been such a pleasure having you on the show. Like I just am soaking in your your words, like you just channeling through that that profound wisdom, like we all needed to hear it. Um, and I'm, I know that so many people listening because you're a manifestor, especially are like, how can I connect with you more? Like you are rallying energy in people. So where can people find you to connect with you and keep learning? Yeah, you can find me largely on Instagram. I mean, very classic manifester. I don't like hanging out in a lot of places. I just want to be where I want to be and that's it. <laughs> so I break those traditional rules. Um, I'm at the Holly Marie on Instagram. Um, the link in my bio kind of takes you everywhere. It's it's difficult for me to say, oh, I have this offer right now or, or all of these things coming up because I, I never know what's coming up 
I never know what's coming through me. Um, right now, there's a whole bunch of stuff. We've got Manifesto masterclasses. Um, I have a really cool Manifesto shop with Manifesto products like T-shirts and mugs and stuff, which is really cool and fun. Um, but really, I just I kind of hang out on Instagram engaging with people and, and really trying to give practical teachings what does it mean to be a manifester? How do we love ourselves as manifestors? How do other people understand us as manifestors? So even if you're not a manifestor, feel free to come along. There are so many people in my audience who are not mannies but have mannies in their lives and, and I love hearing from them. I love hearing from them because I, I love this feeling of creating a community that is not just supportive to manifestors but this is supportive of the global collective that we're all seeking to understand each other we're all seeking to grow together and, and to love each other which is I mean I couldn't think of a, a more beautiful human experience than that yeah yeah uh, I love how we're all just answering the question of why the f am I here <laughs> with the collective with each other witnessing each other um, witnessing ourselves like it's such amazingly um, rewarding work. And also, I, I mean, we know as like with our community and then you with your community with uh, manifestors, like it is some real and also like miraculous shit to see people um, be supported from this work and yes. the way that human design supports us. Like it's freaking insane. So it's amazing that we've gotten to connect with you and mm -hmm. we can't wait to just keep the conversation going. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was a, this was a kind of full circle moment for me, for any other manifestors who are out there. I, I recall the moment that I first listened to the manifest episode from Day Luna. Scroll back if you haven't listened to that. It was an hour of listening to two projectors just pouring out love and understanding and I cried and I laughed and I loved it. Um, so to be able to come back here and, and guest and speak further to manifestors is just so, oh, there's so much synergy to this moment. So <laughs> thank you for the privilege. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for blessing us with your freaking powerful words. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> So thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. It's been so fun connecting with Holly. And as you guys know, you can always connect with our offerings at daylunalife.com. You can email us at hello at daylunalife.com, or you can DM us on our Instagram, which is dayluna. Um, that's also where you can find more of our other offerings, like our boxes, our affirmation cards, our parenting cheat sheets. And those can be really illuminating to help you understand your design, help you to um, parent, help you to interact with the world around you in a way that's really honoring your truth and your alignment and your energy. So um, reach out to us, keep the conversation going, and thanks so much for joining us.